I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is The Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Time to talk a little bit of baseball now and joining us. Former big league catcher. Now you hear him all the time for those that are dialed into MLB Network Radio. Does an outstanding job there. Colleague of mine. It is the great Chris Jimenez who is kind enough to grace us with his presence here on the program. Christopher, welcome to the show. Thanks for spending some time tonight. How are you? I am doing outstanding. And if I could do anything to help out my boy, DG. Uh, you know I'm here for it at any point in time, so thank you for finally letting me uh, get on. Oh, I, please. I mean, the, the pleasure is all mine. You know that. It's, it, we are so thrilled to have you on the show tonight. Um, let's get right <laughs> to it, though, because we have only a few weeks left in this season. You know, the long grind of 162, it's culminating now with some good races. And, you know, with the two teams here in New York, we'll start with the Yankees. They're up there in Boston right now doing their thing tonight with the Red Sox and they seem to have gathered themselves the last couple of days. You know, the offense is broken out. They won an important series against the Tampa Bay Rays. Do you Are you convinced that the Yanks are over that little kind of hiccup which plagued them there for a few weeks? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good call. Um, I, I wouldn't say I'm actually 100% convinced yet. Uh, I would love to see how they do against the series currently in Boston. And so far, so good. Uh, Garrett Cole came out and, and gave up a few runs early, but uh, the Yankees have scratched and clawed their way back. Uh, if they can take two or three or even sweep this series against the Red Sox, I'd be very happy to say that I think they're back. It sure seems like, you know, they're starting to get the back end of this bullpen figured out. Clay Holmes has come back from the IL, thrown one, like just thrown the heck out of the ball. And I think in order for the Yankees to be good, listen, they need Clay Holmes to throw the ball the way he was throwing the ball at the beginning of the season. And they also need uh, a role to Chapman to come back and, and just be half of himself. I, I truly believe half of a role to Chapman is going to play big for this Yankees team because that death in the bullpen has taken a hit. They've lost a few guys to the injury, and uh, they're going to need some guys to step up. Judge and Stanton, uh, for the last few games, Boone's been batting them 1-2 in the batting order here. Judge hit a home run tonight, number 56. We'll get to that in just a little bit. But do you think that that's sustainable? I know the Yankees are missing some guys, of course, but what do you make of Judge Stanton 1-2 at the top of the batting order? I actually like it. You know, you want to get your best hitters up as many times as possible. Uh, They have the most chances to affect the game or the outcome of the game. And, again, in, in Stan's case in particular, you know, it's probably getting him an extra at-bat or two maybe even during the game that uh, he kind of missed, you know, on a, on a short, quick rehab assignment from his last injury issue, issues, you know. So I think you're getting your best hitters in the lineup more often. And uh, to me, that's a smart decision because I want Aaron Judge up as many times as possible as well. And you look at him, this home run chase that he's on right now. He hit, he went five games without one until tonight where he got number 56. He took one over the opposite field fence there at Fenway Park. You think he's breaking this record? You think he's getting a 62? 
gosh, that's a great call. I definitely think tonight helped. Um, I was starting to get a little worried myself. Uh, I know you and I have talked about this a lot in the past, that uh, if he were to get to 62, um, you know, what that would mean for not only the Yankees franchise, but for Aaron Judge and himself, you know, just the fact that he bet on himself by turning down quite a bit of money uh, at the beginning of the season. I would love, absolutely love to see him do it. I mean, it couldn't have happened to a better guy. There's not a better guy that can go out there and handle New York the way he can. And uh, I just think that, you know, with him betting on himself and taking that risk and then going out and putting up the type of season that he has to this point, I think he deserves to get 62. Let's put it that way. Talking with Chris Jimenez here on 98.7 ESPN. Mets and Yankees, both first-place teams, at least for the time being. As far as the Mets are concerned, you know, they're having their troubles again here last couple of nights against an opponent that you look at the standings and you say, well, you know, they should be beating up on. Couldn't get any hits last night, lose to the Cubs. Tonight, it's Jacob DeGrom, of all people, who's being let down by the rest of his mates there. He's given up a few runs. What is it about this Mets team? We're talking about them maybe as World Series contenders. Why are they struggling so much against the bottom feeders? You know, I think it's, it's just a simple case of playing down to your competition. And you would love to think that good teams don't do that, but there's something that gives me um, some optimism. You know, we talked about this last night on MLB Network Radio that I do believe the Yan- or when they just played the Dodgers two weeks ago, uh, they ended up winning that series. It took a great game from DeGrom and a great game from other pitchers in that rotation to take out the best team in the National League. And if you're going to have me, you're going to tell me that they're going to play that well against the Dodgers and this poorly against the Pirates and the Nationals um, and the Cubs of all teams. Not that the Cubs are bad, but they're, they're making spoiler makers out of themselves, which is a good thing for them. Um, I think they have the ability to play to their level of competition. Now, with that being said, um, that's a scary game to play. Uh, you do not want to be able to turn it on and off like that. You would love to be playing your best baseball going into October. And, you know, fortunately for them, they still have a few weeks to kind of figure that out. Get Max Scherzer back here for relatively shortly, I think, will help stabilize that rotation again. And uh, Starling Marte, to me, is kind of the key that makes the world go around for the Mets. Yeah, if they get him back in that lineup, which uh, all signs are kind of pointing to that happening here in at least the next 10 or 12 days, um, it's going to give him at least a week to 10 days to get himself back up to speed for that playoff push in October. Well, you, you mentioned the offense, and clearly Marte is somebody who's been missed here for the last couple of days. But even when Marte was around, you know, they, they go through these lulls where they're not able to manufacture runs. They're stranding a bunch of guys on bases. How significant a concern do you think that is for them? Like once you think about October, this lineup that, you know, goes through these spells where they're just not scoring any runs. I mean, is that something enough that you think could be their downfall, despite the fact that you have faith in the starting pitching? I think you're absolutely right. You nailed it. Um, You know, listen, the Mets aren't going to out-bludgeon teams like the Braves can. Uh, And I hate to use that example because, you know, I know Mets fans have a tendency to be a little sensitive when we talk about the Braves, and I understand that and I respect that. Uh, But the Braves can hit the ball out of the ballpark. It's not saying that the Mets can't hit the ball out of the ballpark. They just don't do it as often. They have to rely on other ways of manufacturing runs, to your point. And I think last night was kind of a prime example of when things aren't going well, uh, they had the bases loaded with nobody out and ended up getting out of that inning not scoring a single run. You know, a team that is so reliant on contact-oriented hitters, guys hitting behind guys, putting the ball in play, being able to move the baseball around the field a little bit, it is maybe a little disconcerting, I think, that uh, they weren't able to 
you know, do something. And then, and then, you know, they've kind of been on a little bit of a run here to your point as well, that, uh, you know, they have not been scoring a lot of runs, but with that being said, I think ultimately they're going to be okay. These levels, they'll plateau out. And, uh, you know, I think we'll start to see the Mets offense start to click and, and, you know, get the runners over, move some runners in, uh, and just generally play the good type of baseball. Listen, they have one of the best leaders in the game in Buck Showalter, the most complete non-panic person you could think of, and the right guy to be in this situation right now. He's got these guys going in the right direction, and I think ultimately they're going to be just fine. Talking baseball with Chris Jimenez here on the Dan Gronsta Show, 98.7 ESPN. You look at the National League, and you, know, you and I have talked about it. The National League, I, I think there's way more serious contenders than what you have maybe over on the American League side. We know the Dodgers have that gaudy record. They can clinch the division tonight. I mean, they're 54 games over 500, which is scary. But do you think the Dodgers are the team to beat, or do you think that it's somebody else even in that National League? You know, as much as I'm a Dodger guy, and this pains me to say it, um, I don't know if they are the team to beat. Um, I, it's it's hard to say that with the best team in baseball. I mean, goodness, they have 97 wins. They're on cruise control. They're on pace for 112 wins in the season. Uh, it's hard to not say that they're not the team to beat. But I really do think the loss of Walker Buehler is going to come play a major role in the postseason. Not only losing did they lose Walker Buehler, but they also lost Tony Gonsolin. Who was an all-star, having an all or a Cy Young caliber season? Um, the fact that he has not made his way back yet, uh, it just it lessens the depth of that rotation. And the one thing that the Dodgers have done a tremendous job of is continuing to have that kind of step right in mentality. Tyler Anderson's taken a huge role on, you know, obviously Clayton Kershaw is now back. A lot's going to ride on his shoulders. Uh, Julio Urias, who has been very battle tested himself. But if you noticed, all three of those guys I just mentioned were left-handed. Yeah. Um, if they end up playing a team like the Cardinals, uh, the Cardinals hit left-handed pitching pretty much better than anybody in baseball. So that could be a scary matchup. Um, with that being said, I have to say I think the Braves are probably you know, the, the favorite to win. The Braves are the Astros, if, if I'm just being honest. I know you don't want to hear that, and I'm sorry. <laughs> but if we're being honest with each other – I think either the Astros or the Braves probably have the best opportunity. To win. Well, I mean, think That's about right. what you just this said, though. Right now. I, I, I don't know if anybody can take exception with that because the Braves, we know they're the defending champs. They know how to get it done this time of year. The Astros, say what you want about them. You know, this is a team that was in the World Series last year. You got guys on that team that with rings. I know everything that went on, you know, with the garbage cans and, and so on and so forth. But the Braves are interesting to me because we know that they've stubbed their toe a little bit on the West Coast here. They've lost three in a row, a couple close games. They've been playing at an extremely high, like a, a crazy level since the beginning of June. Do you think this is kind of like just the universe yeah. restoring order that it was inevitable that they were going to cool off? Or do you think that, you know, maybe this is just they're getting their bad baseball out of the way these few days and they're going to go back to just rolling over people? You know, I, I do think they were bound to cool off. Um, they were not going to play baseball as an 800 clip for the rest of the season. Uh, that would be record-setting, and they're pretty much on that pace as we speak. You know, with this recent three-game skid, it took a very impressive uh, bottom half of an extra inning in Seattle, or the bottom half of the ninth inning, excuse me, uh, in Seattle, and a meltdown out of Kenley Jansen to start this losing streak off. Uh, although I do think they're cooling down and they are coming back to earth a little bit, I'm not really worried that they're really playing that bad at baseball. 
they have such a quality team from top to bottom, starting rotation one through five, you know, bullpen one through eight, nine, uh, or however many they allow down there these days. You don't even know anymore because the rules change all the time. And what they can do offensively, it's essentially the same offense that won a World Series last year. So if you're looking at it from that regard, I think if they are going to go on a little skid, right now is the time to do it. And you and I, again, have talked about this in particular a lot. I think it is much more important for the New York Mets to win this division, which as long as they can keep the pace they're on and just kind of keep their heads above water, so to speak, uh, they play the Atlanta Braves for three games, like the last, I think it's the last six games of the season. Yeah. Uh, three of those, they play the Atlanta Braves. Get it to that series, let it play out from there, and, and then kind of let the chips fall where they may. Before we say goodbye, i got to ask you about your thoughts on the rule changes. We know that those are going to go into effect next year. I mean, they're pretty significant in the sense that you're talking about altering the way the game is played. Uh, curious as to what your thoughts are, whether it be the shift, the pitch clock, right. and then with the pitch clock, how it impacts pickoffs. Are you on board with each of them? Do you like some more than others? What do you think about these rule changes? I can't really say I like any of them, <laughs> to be completely honest <laughs> with you. Um, I'm a little bit more of a traditionalist. And, I mean, listen, I don't think a pitch clock is really ultimately going to make that much of a difference. Um, I know it has done a significant amount in the minor leagues, and there is something to be said for that. Maybe it does knock off five or six minutes a game. But if you're a fan – and you sign up to go to a baseball game, do you really want to – is it going to make a big difference in the, if you get out of there at 947 or 953? No, not at all, in, in my opinion. And in regards to the shift, the one thing I don't mind in particular uh, is the fact that you have to have two guys on either side of the second base. That part I don't mind at all. The part I don't like, though, is the fact that infielders are now no longer able to step on the grass, on the outfield grass. Uh, I don't think that's fair – I think that's a part of strategy in regards to defending an, an opposing team. You know, uh, I'm not saying you need to have three guys on one side of the field and completely take away a base hit to right field or to left field, depending on how you play it. But with that being said, I do think second basemen should be able to play a little bit deeper and just give themselves an extra little opportunity. Not everybody's as fleet of foot as uh, some of these elite second basemen, and any bit of extra time they can take uh, will only help in that regard. But other than that, I'm not a huge fan of the rule changes. I think it's changing the game in fundamental ways that don't need to be changed. And I also don't think they're really taking the players' considerations into this. They've never asked a player, you know, listen, does a game time – I mean, pace – Did we lose Chris? Chris is kind of a, a very uh, rural area where he lives, so the cell signal might not be that far. You know what it is? We'll let Chris go. Jacob, if he pops back on, just tell him thanks. But, uh, yeah, his line probably cut out there. There was a little bit of a delay, too. But we thanked Chris for hopping on. And, like, just to piggyback onto what he was saying about the rule changes, that was, you know, those were my thoughts exactly kind of. The more and more you tinker with how the game is played, you're literally changing the game. I know it sounds simplistic, but that's what you're doing. You're changing the way the game is played. And if baseball thinks that we're just going to roll out there next year and everything is going to be A-OK because we've got a pitch clock, because the shift is not going to be in play, and that you know, you're going to get more base hits, and in theory some of it works out all right, but there's still going to be a massive amount of confusion as far as I'm concerned. Because one thing that baseball is very, very good at is confusing the hell out of people. 
And just look at how much of a disaster instant replay has been. Even all these years later, they still don't have that down path the way they should. And now next year, with some of these violations that could potentially ensue with the shift, and now you're leaving it in managers' hands to where they can challenge and so on and so forth, you think that's going to speed up the game? You think that's going to make the game flow even better? You know, it's like making change for the sake of making change. And, for you know, you could talk about implementing all this stuff in the minor leagues. That's great. But the minor leagues, these games aren't televised either. And you don't have to have all of these, you know, commercial breaks to pay the bills and all these other things, which also adds to the length of the game time. I don't know. Call me a skeptic. Call me whatever you want. But I just don't think it's going to work as seamlessly as they make it out to be that it will. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Pick five games each week, and the best score against the spread throughout the regular season will win $1,000. Weekly prizes of $100 will also be awarded. So join the 98.7 ESPN League with code NY22 on the Cover 5 app and Cover5.com. It's as easy as one, two, free. Visit ESPNNewYork.com for full contest rules I don't, look to be honest with you i don't know how that thing really and truly is supposed to work because last week in in the week one picks and they were the same picks that we did on friday night on our football friday that i did on the show were the ones that uh we picked last week in the contest so it says that my score is something like 39 but, like, how do they go about, like, adding it up? Like, I'm too lazy to read the rules and everything. All I know is that I went 4-1. and one. If I went 4-1, and one, how do I have a 39 as my score? I have 39 points, and I'm in 72nd place, it says. I mean, I went 4-1. and one. Is there something to where, like, you have to, I don't know, if like, depending on what the spread is of the game, like, and how many you get over or something like that, or based on the win, and then you get, like, more points assigned to it? I don't know. I'm just trying to figure this thing out. All I know is that 
you know, that's 80%. If we go 4-1 and one every week, it's going to be a fun year when it comes to these picks. Jacob, did you enter it? Did you sign up for that thing? No, I did not. I you- definitely did not. I mean, uh, I would love to, but it's, if I'm not making any money out of it, <laughs> why, why am I joining? Why, like, why am I killing myself? What's what's the incentive? Wait, you know what? If there's not any green at the back end, like, why am I even taking my time for this? I say the same thing. It's like, well, if I can't win anything, then why am I doing it? Even though they tell us to. I mean, it might be. I would just take it as a moral victory just because uh, the Jets won't have any of that this season. I'll tell you. Right. There's no moral victories. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what it is? I'm gonna tell. I'm gonna. I'm gonna be like Coach Sala. That's what I'm gonna do with the Cover Five stuff. I'm keeping. Rece- I'm taking receipts. I'm saving receipts. <laughs> I'm saving receipts. I'm four and one. I got 39 points. If these points don't start adding up a little bit higher, then you know we're gonna have to deal with it. I mean, I, uh, you might be the only one in Jets land. You don't start off four and one and not happy about it. I think they'll take a four-game winning streak right now, they right? Certainly will. If they start off four and one, you're not going to be hearing anything about receipts, or maybe those receipts are going to be plastered all over the place. Maybe like, hey, remember us? I'll tell you though, what a week! What a week! I mean, like, week one in the NFL is always weird, right? I mean, you never know what to expect. I mean, week two, see, and, and week two is going to drive you batty as well, because. Now we have one game under our belts of information, right? So you think you know a little bit more about these teams. And so based upon what you saw in week one, you're going to apply that as to how you think week two is going to play itself out. And what's going to end up happening is week two will be going in the complete opposite direction. And it's going to throw you for a curveball. So, like, you still are going to be in this, like, gathering information type of mode right now. And it's not going to really resolve itself until you probably get to, like, week four, week five of the season before you really and truly know, like, how these teams are going to be. But boy, did I have a rough week when it came to Survivor Pool. That I, I, I was done, basically done in one week. Because like when you looked at these games in the, in week one, like what were the layups? Like what were the ones that you thought like absolutely like they're the safest bets? You probably thought Denver last night, right? I mean, to a certain extent, you figure the Broncos are going to go in and beat up on the Seahawks. Seahawks aren't going to have a good year. You thought Indianapolis would go in and, and, and take care of the Texans. Indianapolis has owned the Texans the last couple of years. Not like, like embarrassed the Texans. Matt Ryan is there. They got a veteran quarterback, a, a former MVP, a guy who knows how to win. No more of the Carson Wentz garbage. They lay an egg. Tennessee. Giants go in there all beat up. Their two edge rushers aren't playing. Right, home game for the Titans. Derrick Henry back in that lineup. You thought that they're just going to run him about 30 times and make quick work of the Giants. Nope, didn't happen because Randy Bullock couldn't make a field goal, among other things. So, I mean, it was just like a, a brutal week. And week one is always the hardest, but no excuses, you know? No excuses, no receipts, none of those other things. Speaking of excuses, you know what? There needs to be no excuses for Garrett Cole. Because we told you Judge hit the home run to tie it up at three in the sixth inning. What does Cole do right back out there in the bottom of the inning? Gives up a home run to Xander Bogarts, which I don't even think has landed yet, by the way. Probably traveling towards New Hampshire. See, that's all about being a stopper, man. You know what I'm saying? You want to be the ace. You want to be the the guy who, you know, you put the team on your back and that type of thing. When you get a game back even, and even though if you don't have a lot left in the game, right, if you emptied the tank, if you've thrown all your pitches and, and whatnot, you got to go out there and keep that thing three all. It's essentially a 0-0 game, and he got three innings or so to play with. 
keep it even. And he didn't do that. You know, I don't care how many guys he struck out tonight. You're a Yankee fan. You're Garrett Cole. The last thing you want to hear, just like apparently the group of the Jet fans that want nothing to do with hearing about Robert Sala talking about keeping receipts and we're going to turn this thing around and, you know, we're going to have the last left. Those same people, if you're a Yankee fan, don't after the game expect to hear Garrett Cole, oh, hey, you know what, I gave a good performance, struck out 10 guys, or Aaron Boone sticking up for Garrett Cole. That is not what you need this time of year. Not from that guy. Domingo Herman could say, you know what, that's a nice effort. He struck out 10 guys. Frankie Montas, yeah, struck out 10 guys. Not Garrett Cole, not the guy who's making $324 million a year. That ain't going to cut it. By the way, 27 home runs Cole has given up this season. Second most in the American League, third most in Major League Baseball. He's made six starts at Fenway Park. As a Yankee, including the playoffs, and that, you know, gem last year in the wild card game, all six of his starts, he's given up at least one long ball at Fenway Park. Can't do it. Cannot do it. Not good enough. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. We come back, do a quick little whip around Major League Baseball here. As I said, Albert Pujols' quest for history We'll update a couple of the other key games on the diamond this evening, plus your phone calls. We got 30 minutes more to play with Dan Gross's show, 9870 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's nights like this where I don't want to hear about history. You know, he pitched six innings tonight. He gave up three runs, struck out ten guys. But they're losing the game 4-0. They can't score for him. And not for nothing, it's not like this was a, you know, he gave up one run. He gave up three runs. He gave up a home run. And I know his defense didn't help him, and there were some weird things that went on, but he still, you know, gave up a home run. The goal is to go out there and put up zeros. He says it all the time. So tonight, it's 39 consecutive games allowing three earned runs or fewer, which, like, ties a, you know, major league record or something like that. Congratulations to him, but he'll be the first one to tell you, he don't care. And I don't think if you're a Met fan, you should care either because you know what? The bottom line is, it wasn't good enough tonight. 
This team is fighting tooth and nail to try to win a division. Every game matters. They don't have much margin for error. And on a night like this where he gave up three runs too many, as far as I'm concerned, it ain't good enough. Save all the record talk and whatnot for at the end of the season. But tonight, it fell flat. I'm sorry. I mean, it's three runs. Not one, not two, three. Richard's in Manhattan. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Richard, how are you? Dan, you know what I saw in the Met Cup game I haven't seen in 25 years? What's that? A two-strike bunt. Did somebody bunt with two strikes, really? That's right. Not only that, well, that was the play that the guy got hit with the ball. Uh, Oh, no, that was the one where uh, Alfonso came in, didn't handle it great, and they got, he beat the runner home, beat the... Oh, on the squeeze play, okay. Twice. Yeah, squeeze play. But uh, but the ground got done, and that was a bad call by the umpire. The runner on the bunt was running inside the line. Anyway, but a two-strike bunt I haven't seen. Uh, I don't bet, Dan, but you know in the NFL, first week, there were 10 home underdogs. Guess how many won? Not many, right? Six, no, six. Oh, six of them won? One to, one to spread. This week, there are only four. So if I'm a better out there, I would bet home underdogs a whole year and see how I do. Bill Belichick. He should take some hit, and I'll tell you why. Not because he ain't going to win crap without, without Brady, but because he made the decision to let Brady go, to let a Hall of Fame quarterback leave, not only Hall of Fame, a Super Bowl-producing Hall of Fame quarterback leave when you had him on your roster. Imagine any other coach letting a quarterback go that can win a Super Bowl, has won one already, played great last year, and this year will be, make some noise. Aaron Judge may have the greatest year ever. He's going to have the most RBIs, the most homers, and the most runs scored. He may, outside shot, but may, lead in walks, batting average, and hits. That's six major categories. One last thing. Mm-hmm. That two-point play. That was, you guys are demeaning. The only guy I heard that said it right was Don LeGrecker. Don said it was analytical. He's 100% right. Everyone is demeaning the coach by saying it was risky. He was being aggressive. No, it's a, that's why that's why Mike Tomlin always goes for two. Like it, well, no, it's, I'm, it's, no, I'm disagreeing there. I don't think you should go for two during the middle of the game. You should never chase points. I'm being specific for that point of the game for the Giant game. It was opening game. I, they may do that play another time in the season, and the other team will be ready for it. You can't do the same play twice. The reason why that play was great, if the Jets had done it, no good. Joe Flacco can't run. But you have the guy handling the ball. Daniel Jones is a great runner. You have the guy in the backfield who's having a great game running the ball. So he's back. He played like a, his hand was touched by God. So he was great, Barkley. At that point, you go for the two. Why would you go for overtime where it's 50-50? Here you have control. You go for the two points there because you have to control. All factors are in your favor. Plus the fact the extra point, they botched one already, so it made it only 50% as far as the Giants were concerned. They did the right analytical play at that moment. Now, I'm not saying any other time you go for two. No, every situation is different. At that moment, that was the best play to do analytically, and that's that. Dan, always a pleasure. Richard, thank you for the phone call. I'll, I won't even use the word analytics. I tip my cap to Brian Dayball because you know what he did there? What every coach should do, what every good coach should do. He made a decision based on the feel that he had for his team because the head coach during, during the game should know his team better than you, than me, than anybody else. 
He knew how those guys were operating. As Richard said, they had momentum, not just that, but maybe Brian Dayball felt or maybe he knew that if this game does go into overtime, he didn't like his team's chances. Maybe he thought that they've given all that they could give, at least on the defensive side of the ball. Did he just get another one? He got another one. Another one for Judge. 57. 57. He's doing this thing. He's beating Maris. 5-7 for Judge, and we got ourselves a brand new ball game. Four all at Fenway Park in the seventh inning. So Judge is at 57 through 142 team games. He's got uh, 57. Maris had 55 in 1961. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. And why, oh, why, oh, why do you break up Judge and Stanton at the top of this batting order? Like, why would you ever think about doing that if you're Aaron Boone? It's working. Bottom line, it's working. As far as Pujols, by the way, his pursuit of history, remember, he's at 697. He had a couple over the weekend, so he passed A-Rod on the all-time list. Pujols, it's amazing how much they're running him out there in the lineup, too. Like, who would have thought that Albert Pujols would be getting this many at-bats for the St. Louis Cardinals this year? But he's got an RBI tonight. Not a home run, but he's got an RBI. I think Pujols is getting a 700. Originally, I didn't think that was the case, but I didn't expect him to get as hot as he has either. Three more, what do we got here for the Cardinals? Let's see, two. Cardinals are going to have 20 games left after tonight. You tell me Pujols isn't going to hit three home runs in those 20 games? Of course he is. And Judge, what, 20 games left for the Yankees after tonight? And he's got to hit five? So that's like one every four games? Pretty good bet. Remember, this is a five-game drought that he came into tonight without going deep. And not only did he hit one, he hit two. Incredible. And that last one was a no-doubter. My God, that didn't even land yet. Um, as far as the race goes in the American League East, remember the Yankees are still trying to fend off Tampa, Toronto. They played a doubleheader today. Tampa won the opener 4-2 to two earlier this afternoon. Toronto is getting them back here in the nightcap. The Blue Jays have a 5-2 to two lead. That one is in the eighth inning. So essentially what they're doing is they're flip-flopping because there's a half game that separates them. So if tonight's final holds, then that means Toronto will be six back, and then Tampa Bay will be potentially either six or six and a half games back, depending on what the outcome is here for the Yankees and the Red Sox up there at Fenway Park. Bottom line is you got to like where the Yankees are right now in the division. You know, the fact that they were able to take two out of three over Tampa Bay uh, on the weekend, I think points you in the right direction, certainly, as far as just trying to make sure you finish with that top spot. Right? Because... It's no secret compared to anybody else. Yankees need to win their division just as much as any other team does. Setting your rotation, make it as easy as possible, getting that first round by so you don't have to exhaust all of your resources. I mean, right now the Yankees are going to get, or whoever wins that American League East, they're going to at least be the two seed and get that first round by. Because the American League Central, Cleveland's in first place right now. They are, like, really, 10 and, yeah, I mean, they're like nine and a half games back of the Yankees. They're not chasing them down. So Houston, the Yankees, are going to be the two seeds, top two seeds in the American League and get the buys. National League right now, you're talking about the Dodgers and either the Mets or the Braves. 
And the Mets got major, major things to figure out right now. Major things. And they got to stop sleepwalking against these bad teams like the Chicago Cubs. This is, I mean, you could sit here and you could pass away a bad effort of this or that. Not this time of the year. Shouldn't be happening. We told you the Dodgers, they could win the National League West tonight with either a win or a Padres loss. Dodgers are just underway out in Arizona. San Diego is in Seattle. So magic number is one for L.A. And Atlanta, you know, seeing if they can cooperate again and help the Mets with yet another loss. They're in San Francisco. That game will be getting underway momentarily, like any second between them and the San Francisco Giants. Kyle Wright going for his 18th win this year for the visitors. Braves aren't just going to keep losing. You know, Mets are eventually going to have to win again. You know, this funk is just, like I said, it's really a head-scratcher. Did not expect it happening. Not in any way, shape, or form. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs>